the football pod on OTB Sports. Have you ever seen a team like Limerick that are so physically dominant? They're yeah, absolutely oh. financially <laughs> dominant. <laughs> the football pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. The Women's Six Nations Show on OTB Sports. In association with Vodafone, proudly supporting the Irish women's rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Yes, you're very welcome along. It's Ashley O'Reilly here with you for the OTB Women's Six Nations Show. It's a little bit different this week. We're coming live from the Vodafone HQ here in Dublin. <laughs> Yes, as you can hear, we have a live audience joining us for the final show. And as usual, we're streaming across our OTB social channels. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by former Ireland internationals and Grand Slam winners. Fiona Hayes, how's it going? How are you, Ashley? Good now, not too bad. And Grace David, how are you, Grace? I'm good, Ashley. Good stuff. Great to have you here in person and nice to be here in Vodafone in a live show. It's pretty good. And this 2013 team where you won the Grand Slam, as I mentioned, there must be a special bond with that team, Grace. Yeah, we actually have a WhatsApp group. Uh, what? I'm not in that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's once we're warriors. And, you know, it was Lynn Cantwell, the highest capped Irish player, kind of set it up. And, you know, it is a really tight bond. It's, you know, players have been through it all with you. And it's, it's the highs and lows and, and how long it took you to get to that Grand Slam era. And it's amazing. You have your friends and family that really supported you and, you know, experienced the highs and lows with you. But it's the teammates that dragged you through and you spent so much time with them on them years up to that success and it's something I remember Lynn Cantwell saying you know in years to come nobody everyone fades and people don't know who you are and you'll meet someone on the street you know that's been through it with you and you just have that wry smile going you know we did something pretty special back then. Absolutely and Fiona looking back now as the years have passed it must be amazing to know a Grand Slam winner you know Ireland haven't done it again yet but it's amazing to know that you have. Yeah, it's it's funny. At the time, you didn't think about it. Like even when you did win it, it wasn't something. It's kind of afterwards now when we look back, or if you talk to other people about it, they're they're like, "Oh my God, you you did this or you did that." And I told you the last time, Ash, and I still wear the old medal under uh, under my top and a night out to see if I can get any free drinks. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it was it was a great time, great people. Um, training hardcore you know everything and then to just come out at the end of that was was just amazing like and then obviously we followed on in the 2014 and and getting to a world cup semi-final beating new zealand and the brilliant memories but for us as you know top athletes we were so disappointed that we didn't you know beat England in the semi-final and get to a World Cup final. So at the time you're going, you know, are we that good? But it's, it's, it is that reflection looking back going, no, like we did do something special. We were the, the senior team to get to a first senior team to get to a semi-final. Oh, absolutely. And mentioning England, England extended their record unbeaten run to 22 with a victory over Ireland. Unfortunately, at the weekend, it was 69-0 to England. Well, that was the final score there. It was a particularly tough defeat, Fiona, for Ireland. Oh, God, yeah. I was um, I was doing a bit in studio for it and so optimistic at halftime. I was absolutely going, oh, yes, yes, this is... Because, you know, there's a lot of talk about the sevens players going and I'm sure we'll probably touch on that later. But uh, but they, there was no, like, no one expected it. Mm-hmm. We all expected England. I, I was thinking, you know, anything under 30, 40 at halftime would be great. So the defensive 
like effort the girls put in they were just uh, they were giving it all you could see big hits we were cheering now England probably would argue they weren't at their best but to go in at 10 and it could have been 10-3 because we missed that kick uh, in front of post as well so it was it was it was really good I was really buzzing at a at a half time I won't tell you what it was like at the end but yeah <laughs> but, uh, but at half time I was really good and it just shows the whole professionalism of it all second half came kicked in and unfortunately the girls just couldn't keep up with the pace and a few things obviously didn't go our way either no yeah definitely not and for you Grace at half time what was going through your mind I know I was definitely thinking <sighs> yeah chance here so, yeah, so I was commentating for Virgin uh, and I was at the match and it was amazing, you know, huge atmosphere, they had the music playing, they had the crowd roiled up and everyone was just really building and I think it was really good because it, it made it like real competitive. England have scored an average of 30 points per half in this Six Nations, so to hold them to 10 points is huge. They were still fighting for uh, a bonus point mm -hmm. and then you were kind of going, can they hold off? You know, I I believed, you know, from previous experiences and a halftime knowing what you go through in there is that they are going to come out like animals wounded, that they're not going to be happy with that, that they're going to feel that they were complacent, that our, everyone had written this Irish team off, that Ireland weren't happy with that, but England maybe sat back on their laurels a bit and were like, do you know what, if we're going to be world class and be France next week, we need to go out here now. And, and you know, they, they just ranked up a gear, you know, they realised what they were doing wrong and and just put it up another level. Yeah, that was absolutely the fear. And in that first half, they were camped within Ireland's 22 yeah. for, the, for the whole half. And they didn't really come away with a lot after all their dominance. No, they didn't. And if you look at the stats at half time, you were kind of going, OK, they, Ireland haven't really even got inside their half. You know, it was it was a crazy game of ball for it only to be 10-0. But I think that just showed the doggedness of the defence and, mm -hmm. and the shift, the big shift the girls put in. I mean, um, Adele McMahon, I think by the end of the game, she was up about 24 tackles, but the, like the majority of them was dominant. Neve Jones was another one. There was just players putting it all out there when it was like almost like a wounded animal. You know, we talk so much about, oh, what will England win by? Um, the girls kind of reacted as much as they could in that first half. And, and you really saw that they were kind of every little thing they cheered each other on. Set piece probably didn't go to plan e in either half, but I just thought defence-wise, they, they could have been proud of themselves for those 40 minutes anyway. Yeah. And like I, I ended up staying in the hotel with the players and, you know, the next morning and obviously media have been writing them off. And, you know, they, I, I met some of the, the girls before the match and they were like, they were really angry. Like they were really annoyed going, oh, everyone's writing us off. They're not giving us a chance. And, you know, one on one, we can beat our opposite number. And you're like, I'm like, yeah, brilliant. Like go out there, prove us all wrong, you know. But we're looking at away from it going, you know, this is professional versus amateur. And as much as you as an individual are going to give it 100 percent, there's all the, all these other factors. But seeing that second half, like England were quite passive mm -hmm. in the first half. They, you know, you're saying rugby have to earn the right to go wide. So if you just pass the ball wide, defences can just like watch you and shift and push you into touch and, and Ireland were able to do that really well and in the second half England had some big forward carries you've seen the likes of Sarah Byrne and Marley Packer just hitting these big direct lines that sucks in three Irish players and suddenly then one more phase and then they were able to outflank Ireland so they really like troubleshooted that and, and figured it out and, and came out with a different uh, game plan the second half. 
Yeah, and then we lost Dardy Walls. That was the first major blow that it was really tough to take, Fiona. Yeah, the yellow card, the old sin bin, gone in, sitting in the bin. And there's nothing worse as well when you... And I think it was in the first six minutes of that bin, yeah. uh, three tries were scored. Um, so it really hit Ireland hard. And I'm sure Daro was sitting there with your head in her hands. There's nothing you can do. Um, whether she was there or not, I think England were more clinical anyway. Um, the pack absolutely kind of destroyed the Irish pack in the second half they'd run out of gas but um, definitely that yellow card kind of was the start to kick off uh, England dominance and when they got those consecutive tries I think they just kicked on from there and then there was Nicole Cronin there was Emer Considine there was Sene like everything that could have went wrong sort of went wrong in the end yeah, I think we counted 25 minutes in that second half where Ireland were down to 14 players. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's a lot because in them last 20 minutes is where professional versus amateur really shows. And when you're down to 14 versus 15 for that length of time, the amount of tackles Ireland did compared to England, your body is broken. They were sucking Ireland in and you're just working so hard. So it's, it's really difficult against a world-class team. And, and this is the thing, you know, with high tackles and we all know you're trying to wrap player on ball and that's why players go so high. They don't want to get the offload. So mm -hmm. you're, you're taking a risk. I'll go high. I'll try and wrap them. And in this day and age, you know, we want rugby to continue on. You have the risk of so many concussions. And I seen uh, Jess Breach's Instagram. She got 11 stitches through her whole eyebrow with that dirty wall yeah. tackle. And you have to look at player welfare and go, right, you I know. I think it was fatigue as well when you're tired. Yeah. You know, like, like the reactions. body, the body kind of goes. You know, you're getting low. You're, you, that goes out of your mind when you're when you go to that place. You know, of sheer tiredness when you're playing. It's like you're in a different and things like I'm sure Sene especially look back and be like, oh my god, like you don't even feel in your body that no. you haven't sunk. It's you're just so tired. And does that bring us back to the professionalism versus the amateur again? As you said, the tiredness. You're you're going to make these mistakes. And obviously these girls are going out, they've worked the day before, the week before, all of those things when England, they're in camp, you know, they're, they're professionals. Yeah, I think it was like uh, Eve McDermott put up a post, uh, like she was in the hospital like 9am on a Monday morning yeah. after after playing, what, 65 minutes against England. Um, look, it is what it is, you know, like that's like, but it's just, it, it needs to be looked at now because we're now seeing like over the years, we might've got away with, you know, it, but the gap is getting bigger and bigger and and England when Aoife's back and work England are flying off to France to get ready for the game on, uh, on Saturday you know they're they're able to chill out in the plane legs up um, whereas the likes of Emer as well in her, in her leg had to go back to work so it it's, it's, it's not right if you want the gap to narrow they really have to look at it they have to I can't I'm not going to say here hand out contracts because the other thing is they don't have money so some of these girls might only be on like we'll say for instance 14,000 are you going to leave your, your job as a physiotherapist for that so there's a lot of stuff in behind that that they need to look at as well maybe getting a, like a shorter weekday or something for them and eventually going to having those full time for the younger girls that's coming through but it, if, if we if if we don't do it now, we're going to be way behind everyone else. Yeah, and, and something that Wales highlighted that even in the short period of time of them going professional, they've seen their numbers in the gym go up, like, you know, their weights in the squat, their bench press, 
stress, their chin-ups, their conditioning. And it's, it's down to that recovery time. Whereas when you get a limited weekend, we used to train like four sessions a weekend. So you drove down, you did two sessions, one <laughs> session for an hour and a half sat- on Saturday and then Sunday. And it could be full contact. See, by Sunday afternoon, you were, like I would have been physically crying sometimes where you were in, in so much agony, so much pain because it's such a physical game. Whereas when you can do your weights and have a two-hour sleep and get your food in, you're then set and ready to go for your skill sessions. You're, you're more elite, you're better, you're fatigued, you can train under fatigue, but then rest after and that constantly builds up. And then another aspect with professionalism is, you know, the England girls are playing club in, in, in premiership. A lot of the Welsh girls are playing premiership rugby. But when you look at Scotland, they're saying if they turned fully professional, where did their players play? And the same with Ireland. If you're training centralised in Dublin all week, then what do you do if you're going to play for the likes of Exeter or Wasps like Edel McMahon and Aoife McDermott or uh, Nicola Friday? You have to have that kind of club set up that you can go, right, you're centralised in Dublin, but you're going back to Cork or Belfast or Dublin to play your club. So the club needs to be at a standard where it's competitive and that they have that to feed into the international and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, it's something that needs to be looked at as a whole because... It's quite unfair on the girls, you know, when you're watching it, it, you feel like this is an impossible task almost. It's terrible. I remember, yeah, I remember even like I'm a youth worker in the Glen in Cork, you know, um, I work uh, with the Garda Youth Diversion Project and I'd be driving back after getting absolutely walloped by her on (laughs) on the way home and I'd be sitting on a Sunday evening knowing that I'd have to get up at at 9am going to work and, you know, you you can't go in grumpy and, you know, to be like, I'd be walking around like this and it's soccer territory. So they wouldn't even understand. They'd be like, Robbie, what's that? They'd be like, who plays that game? So I'd be just like, oh, just ignore me, I'm old. But it's it's such <laughs> it's such a difference, you know, to to if I was able to go and get and put on those lovely boots that they put on now and sit myself in a nice bath, it could have been maybe I could have yeah. been a lot better than it was. That's what I tell myself anyway. And and like I was the same, I've I had quite a physical job. I'm a maintenance technician in Belfast Harbour, so I climb cranes for a living. So I would have like well. played a match, I'd go to the gym in the morning, we'd be doing chin ups or snatches and, and I'd go in and they'd be like, right, go up, Crane. And it'd be ladders, you know, 100 metres up and my forearms would be killing <laughs> you me. no recovery whatsoever. No recovery. And I actually got dropped in, in 2010 for the, the, for the World Cup in 2010. And, and we went, we had a training camp all weekend and I drove back to Belfast. I was back in work on the Monday. And on the Tuesday, we had a, a container crane break down and they were like, Grace, you're fit. You know, so, <laughs> so we need a part from the other crane. So go down this crane, back up the other crane, get the part, see if it's that. So I think I was up before lunchtime, eight times up that crane and uh, went, drove to Dublin that evening and did a fitness test and got a really bad score and got dropped then for my fitness. And it's, it's that whole, you know, what could have been different then if I had been going, resting, getting good food, sleeping, mm-hmm. you know, not having to travel. I have no doubt I would have done like 10 times better, you know, and, and f- mental fatigue as well. So it all has its, its part to play and, and it's, it's, it's tough. But like that, we get on and, and look how well we did and we weren't professional. So there is things you can do with, a, a, you know, a solid setup. And I know now with the independent review that things are being put in place mm-hmm. that should be in place, whether professional or not. I'm bringing it back to the Ireland-England game again, just to, to finish up on that. 40 minutes, the Ireland did really well in that first half. Do you think that England would have came away thinking they were quite worried with their performance? 
Yeah, well, I suppose you're not too worried if Ireland aren't getting in your half. So they said, so they done really well defensively. I suppose Ireland didn't even have the ball. England knew they had the ball. So when it's a situation like that, um, as I, I do a bit of coaching now, it's about uh, getting them in and absolutely <laughs> having a word with them about, um, you know, uh, <laughs> wasting the ball or what they're doing with it. Tell us what you say, Fiona. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> I can't say it here. <laughs> no, but um, like they knew and I think they're, they're together so long that um, they would have gone in disappointed. The coach mightn't even have uh, had to say anything because you know yourself. Mm-hmm. You go in there, the mood is low, so there were 10 points up and the mood would probably be really low. So it's, it's, it's kind of... You know, we would have had the likes of Fiona Coughlin, and I definitely won't tell you what she'd say, um, like roaring at us or whatever. And it, you, you lift it yourself, like, and that's the whole thing about it. And that's what they said, the Sarah Hunter, the, the England captain, she was the one who spoke at half time. She did all the talking. And and that's the thing, is, as players, you know, you can't have a coach on the pitch with you. So what, what, at that elite level, what you're wanting is player-led. You know, you're going to have to problem solve on the pitch, you know, see why things aren't working. So you need to have that ability to figure it out yourself. So usually at half time, you'll go into your units, you'll have all the backs together going, you know, where was the space? What are we doing wrong? You know, and, and the all the forwards going, uh, why are the backs knocking on? It's like a scrum. <laughs> Always the way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I think I think it's a lesson learned for England, and I think it's probably come at a good time where they know now that against France next week that they won't be that complacent. They'll go out and make sure they play from the very start. And then just from our Ireland point of view, the the sevens, fifteens debacle. We we spoke about it last week, Fiona. It's quite a unique position for Ireland that there's a significant crossover of players. So yeah. we have to remember this too. Like that was quite tough. There was almost you know five players went away to play sevens. It's it's a new squad almost with new girls coming in. Yeah. Yeah, and I suppose the thing to, to say here as well is that um, we, f- for years, we wouldn't have had those seven girls playing. So, like, to have them playing their training every week w- was really, really good. But to have them playing for two, for three games and then going for two games isn't the way forward. So it's how now they're contracted to sevens, and I'm sure they'd love to play. You know, both. So it's it's what we're going to do with that going forward. In Ireland, we. I think it's 1,400 um, women are registered to play senior rugby in all the clubs. So like compared to England and the rest, the player pool is quite small. So when you get, if you're getting paid, which the sevens are, they're directly going to that. So they're taken out of the club and they're going up to, if they're really, really good and really fast, maybe not the props, but but, uh, but everyone else is going directly up to the sevens. So so they're developing in that game. And I think um, it's it's a shame because the players are are so good. We saw Eve Higgins. She's probably one of the standout players so far. To have her against that England team in the midfield would have been huge. Um, they said it at the start that they were going for the last two games. But um, I think kind of was glossed over and we looked at performances whereas now people are getting annoyed and rightly so so I think they need to get a a structure in place and either have them in or out or only playing sevens or fifteens or have a mix that works where they, they because I love 15s rugby. Ireland loves 15s rugby. And we watch the Six Nations. And, you know, it's been broadcast now. We want to show the best for our game. Yeah. So we want the best players playing for all games. It's such a pity to go out against the best in the world to not have your best players on show. What have you made, Grace, of the whole situation? Yeah, like Ireland's in a very difficult situation. Um, you know, they're one of the Six Nations teams that have... Uh, sevens and fifteens. You look at Italy, Wales and Scotland don't have that. So the only other teams that have it are the professional teams, which are England and France. So that's where the difference comes in. If your boss sees that you're in the office 
and realizes, you know what, we could get them to do another job while they're in this office. They're going to do that rather than bring someone else in. <laughs> so that's what they're doing with their sevens. They're going, well, you're here all week. We can show you what to do all week and then get you playing at the weekends. Whereas with the 15s, they just don't have that balance where they're only getting them for a very short period of time to train them. So I can understand why they're bringing the sevens in because they can build them up. But you have to look at the very start and go, well, what is it we're wanting to achieve with this Six Nations squad? You know, Greg has said very early at the start that, you know, this is building again for the next four years. So if it's building for the next four years, then why have the sevens in? Let's build then. If it's building for the next four years, then why bring Sene in mm-hmm. at very late for England? You know, so you're kind of contradicting yourself. And I think you have to stay very true to what your plan is. And if you vary off it, to let people know why that is. Like, obviously, I heard at the weekend that they brought Sene in that she's such a, a defensive player, that she's a big tackler. Obviously, she was on the rogue side of the, the result with that. But um, the thing about it is, then have her in at the very start. Yeah. But it, it is, it's really difficult. For me, I would love, and I know with, with the recommendations now, it's something, but there's always been a pathway for sevens. If a, if a girl yeah. plays under 18s into provincial and she has a talent, she gets into the Irish seven setup. But you can see how important front five players are in 15s. You need your props, you need your hookers, you need your second rows. So just re- relying on sevens players and not developing those front five, front eight players is, is detrimental to the 15s game. Yeah, I thought this NA situation was so odd because, as Greg Williams has said, he's trying to build. So I don't understand bringing a player in to a squad that has that much experience. Why wouldn't she be there from the start, you know, to lead yeah. and to... Yeah, it, it was just a mad situation. Obviously, she was on the wrong side of, yeah. of the tackle the last day, but just to have her around, you know? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, when you looked at it from the outset, and when he, and he, she, he didn't talk too much about her, but he just didn't include her in the squad. So you're going, okay, he's trying to build the kids, and you have to, you go, okay, pat in the back. I like this. We're going forward. Um, like, Sene has been a great servant, and she really wants to be in there. And she's probably played good enough rugby, and she played the AIL this year as well, but you can see the direction he's going in. He would have known that the after three games that he's losing, essentially, his, mm-hmm. whole, his whole back line. So with the new systems and how he plays, I think ideally I would have had her in whether she started or didn't start had her around she's a very positive type of person you know she's um she's really she talks a lot when you're beside her when you're playing with her she she's good to have there so even having her around uh, talking to young ones getting them like true things you know whether she would have liked to be in that role or not I don't know um, maybe she wanted to start maybe she wanted to play but to bring her late in was 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 strange for me but but to be fair to her she did put in a massive defensive 40 minutes at, at, in the first half especially I thought she made really good defensive reads as well yeah but you're just you're trying to build cohesiveness in a team and if I'm there and I've trained you know since January and I, I'm you know bust myself and I'm trying to get there and I'm not getting picked and then I see someone just come in ahead you're kind of going how does that build the morale in the Big team time, yeah. you know if you see someone being promoted ahead of you you're going I've just done all the dog yeah. work for so long and I'm not getting my opportunity I think you need very clear communication on that where you need to talk to those players and say you know this is what we're doing this is why we're doing it you know it's nothing against you or I think they need to be very clear to make sure that you have that cohesiveness as a squad 
and something that's been really positive across all of the Six Nations is the record crowds that we've been seeing. It's, it's unbelievable. There was 15,836 people that attended the Ireland-England game. You know, Fiona, this is massive to see this many people coming out. Oh, it's huge. It's huge for the game. And, and that's why those scorelines, you know, are kind of like, are, people are looking at it and going, do you want to, as an Irish sport, do you want to go and watch that every Six Nations? Mm. Do you even want to watch it on telly? You probably don't. But we can see they have a chance now to build that because the people want to come. Um, I was down in Musgrave Park Grace you were over in England but those players all the girls they stayed out with all the kids you know after the game you're sore they stayed out with the kids obviously it was a, a win but I'm sure they'd done the same over in England they signed autographs you know I've said it before I, I never had a female um, sporting role model growing up you see all these kids and they know their names they're like there's Nicole Cronin now Nicole's the same size of all the kids but, <laughs> but uh, they're like yeah there she is our Sam Monaghan you know and and, and it, it's I'm standing back going, this is brilliant like, to watch game. it, yeah. to see these kids know the names and, <laughs> and even their dads have them out. It's not just the mams, it's like the whole family is there. So, so the people are given and they're coming to the games. Now we've just got to get the rugby right. And, and the thing about it is, in, in such an expensive world that we're in right now, you know, if you want a day out and you want to do something, it's, you, you know, it is an expensive day out to go to a Six Nations match. You go to a women's match like that, you can bring the whole family for the price of maybe one ticket for a men's game and get a really entertainment you know uh, Haskell was saying that after the the game uh, in Leicester at the weekend what an atmosphere it was everyone was so happy so friendly I mean at halftime everyone's clapping along yeah. everyone stayed he said that because he, he gets abuse at the main yeah. game so there was none of the women abuse him he said it was great and what, what England did you know it was the anniversary of England winning uh, the 1994 Slowly, yeah. Uh, World Cup, Cup yeah. so what they did was any players back in that era that hadn't been given caps they presented them with caps and they presented them caps for their county. So if they play, it, it would split into counties back then. There was some of them had been, uh, there had been a Lionesses team back like in the, in the age. There was one, uh, I was talking to Giselle Maher, who's oh, yeah. uh, ex-English and WASP head coach. And she had this uh, GB, like a Great Britain. And I was like, how is there a Great Britain? English? Yeah. And they all had these amazing caps. And the match was over, as Fee says. Everyone was signing autographs. The Irish girls were doing their uh, first cap presentations. And next thing you could hear this whole stadium lifting. You were like, what was it? And all these English, I think there was 400 oh, English yeah. women were singing Snoop John B. And you were like, oh my, like, I mean, yeah. it was so eerie and so amazing all. And, and this is what you want from the women's game. Mm -hmm. You want the media coverage. You want the criticism to drive you better. You want competitive games, you know, and, and I hope everyone makes an effort to go to uh, Scotland, Ireland in Belfast. Come on up. It's, it's <laughs> great up here. You get a good weekend, make a good weekend out of it and come up and, and experience it. Yeah. Getting, are you getting money off Discover Belfast? Or <laughs> yeah, visit Belfast. <laughs> Brilliant city. It's all of an invite now. As we know, we're live here in Vodafone HQ. And the OTB Six Nations show is with thanks to Vodafone, proudly supporting the Irish women's rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. So Fiona, each and every week you bring us your, your team of the week. Fiona has a tough job. Will you take it away and, and tell us your 15? Yeah, so um, obviously uh, the pack was dominated by England this week. So I had uh, the loose head, Cormber, um, Neve Jones, the Irish uh, hooker, was excellent, I thought, especially around the park. Um, and Sarah Byrne, the tight head for England, her usual self, uh, absolutely amazing with uh, ball in hand. Um, 
with Scotland, I thought Emma, Emma Weasel in the in the second row, she got a really good try for them. Um, probably one of her quieter games, but she was still really good and commanding in the line-out Medusa Fal in my Limerick accent, as Grace says. Um, she was uh, she was quite good as well. Um, at eight, I had Menage. Uh, and of course, look, Grace is going to point this out, so I'm going to point it out. There was two back rows. They both played seven, but I couldn't. They were both excellent. <laughs> Marley Packer for England was brilliant, but I had to get her own Adele McMahon in there as well. She was Absolutely. so, so good. Uh, Laure Sansou. There you go, French again. Um, or Sam Sixes, <laughs> she's been named now for six tries. Oh yeah, has been excellent. And I thought her partnership with Jesse Tremoulet at 10 really pushed France on in that game. Um, Emily Scarrett, uh, obviously her 100 cap, she was absolutely immense, um, especially in the second half, she came alive. Um, Solari also played 13, but she was outstanding for Italy. She really got them the win against Scotland. Defensively, she was everywhere and just her carries were immense that day as well um, I went with Bouchard on one wing for France and uh, Chloe Jacquet from France scored an absolute belter of a try as well from inside her own half so she was quite excellent and uh, Ellie Kildon actually didn't start for England but I thought when she came off the bench um, her footwork she really she really got into that Irish defence and I thought she was really really good as well so Grace now is going to pick at the backs and give me <laughs> yeah, such over. an impressive team Grace is there anyone that you would change yeah, like I know, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Straight in. What's fun if it's not like, you know, controversy, but... Uh, Just yeah. don't go near the front row because you yeah, don't know Yeah, like, I don't know. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Jacquet, yeah, did brilliant at 15, but I have to say, being in Leicester and seeing the work off the ball of Helena Roland, she was unbelievable. This is a player that played at the start of the Six Nations at out half. Then she moved to centre, was unbelievable at centre. And because of the injury uh, last week, of Abby Dow, she went in at 15, and I mean, this woman is electric. Her footwork, her pace. They actually put a, a video up of her there after the game, and it was when she was like 12 playing against the boys, and her footwork and how she beat them up the wing. And it, it, you know, it's it's unbelievable what she can do. Her like she's so fast, and I think. That's the danger with Ireland. Ireland couldn't kick out of their own 22. And when you're kicking to the likes of Helena Rowland, it just pins you back in. And, and we've seen in the second half when Enya Breen kicked to her, she was just able to eat up the pace, mm. hold people in. She straightens up really well and, and, and preserves that space outside her. So I thought she was another contender in for that 15. But like that, you don't know where you're going to see her because she's such a versatile back. Um, uh, totally there's more, more yeah. there is more I won't I won't tear too much apart like obviously there's been some amazing uh, players you know I do love Alex Matthews I think she's a brilliant player for England she played number six for them uh, she's really you know strong in the line out and her work rate and her physicality around the pitch but Neve Jones love Neve Jones coached her at Malone played with her at Ulster amazing around the park her tackling technique was immense her work rate uh, but like Lark Davis for England has been immense like she scored two tries of the back of a mall obviously you say well that's pretty easy you're just standing at the back of the mall but you know she has to throw that ball in control it manage it and you know two tries against Ireland and, and she's been quite successful with the amount of tries she has but she's, she's a really strong contender for a hooker as well yeah, really impressive. And as we know, this weekend then, it's Ireland versus Scotland at Belfast Kingspan Stadium. It's an 8pm kickoff there. The final game of the Six Nations. It's crazy to think this is where we are already. 
as we know, Scotland, they were beaten by Italy on Saturday 2013, and they have now only won once so far. So, Fiona, I suppose home advantage as well in Belfast. We'll be hoping that Ireland get their, their second win. I think this is a must win. I think they need to win this game. Um, they obviously lost to Scotland in the qualifiers, so they have, they've, uh, they've held on to that. Some of them played in those games, so now you've a chance to go out and fix that. Um, I thought Scotland looked stronger at times, but watching them that last week against Italy and, um, and the way they played, I think Ireland definitely can attack them. The only issue is the lack of backs that are available at the minute um, with injuries, uh, red card, seven's gone. So um, I know there's exciting players that are waiting on the fringes to come on, but I definitely think it's it's doable for Ireland, especially up in Belfast. There you go, shout out. Yeah, Belfast. Belfast. And, um, and look, their, their number eight, Jade Congal is her name. She's missing. Um, she's going to be out for the, she was out for the Italy game and she was uh, she's going to be out for this game with injury. And I think you really saw what she brings by her not being there against Italy they struggle sometimes getting the ball out of the scrum She's she plays with Harlequin she's like the centre of their whole team I really feel like she controls everything so that's a good thing for Ireland as well and because of injuries and girls away to the sevens do we have any idea how they're going to line out? Grace is going back in yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm with my glass back on uh, <laughs> my broken knee coming down from them trains she's going I don't think in. they have enough tape to get me back on a pitch uh, <laughs> but yeah it's going to be really difficult you know with Sene obviously is now going to probably be banned for next week you know you'd look at a minimum two weeks ban so mm -hmm. you know she's going to be gone Nicole Cronin was really struggling with in injury Emer Constantine had a very serious knee injury yeah. as well. So, you know, you look at a quite uh, a depleted squad with the sevens away. You know, we've seen two new caps. We've seen Scuffle McKay uh, get start at 15. And then we've seen Neve Byrne come on the wing. So, you know, they've broke the back of their first cap. They'll be wanting to get another opportunity against, you know, a less formidable team. And you might see the likes of Michelle Claffey starting the centre. I think Enya Breen did really well when she came in at out half. Mm -hmm. She's got a, a good boot, so she can clear her lines a lot more. Um, and, I think and she was very good that. at reading it. I think they'll change that. So I, I, I was talking about this and we were talking about it inside. Enya like, came into 10 and she was really, really good. But I think there's a real lack of centres. That's the issue. So Enya has has played 12 yeah. in the thing. So they do have a girl, and Grace, you'd know well, Nikki Coy that played with um, Ulster, yeah. um, has been kind of waiting in the sideline. She's been in the camp since the start. So I think she definitely yeah. would be one to come in. And and like that, Nikki Coy, you know, has been there. She played seven, she played 15. She's had a, a bit of issues with injuries over the years. Um, but if you could have those two kind of out-half positions, so you could have Nikki Catty in a 10 where any bring and yeah. slot in. You've Shannon Toohey, really strong, strong uh, Connacht player over the years. Uh, she's now playing her rugby in England. She has been in camp as a centre as well. So you might see the likes of Neve Burns starting. Uh, I'd like to see Laura Sheehan, Laura Sheehan. get an yeah. opportunity again. You know, she is cap for Ireland. She was involved in the Six Nations last year. L Lightning. Is it Exeter she plays She's for? gone over to Exeter. I coached yeah, Laura so from when she started rugby in UC and she made her way up and she's played with Exeter this year and she's been absolutely lighting it up over there um, she didn't make the squad um, so he brought her into the last camp 
mm-hmm. but she's definitely someone who'd have experience and like obviously learned all her speed footwork from me. So I'm proud. <laughs> so she's blind. <laughs> <laughs> it is so, a really strong squad. You know, yeah. when you name out all these girls yeah. that are coming in, like it, it is a massively strong squad. But I suppose what I'd normally ask coming close to the end of Six Nations, they have a few games under their belt. What learnings can Ireland take now into the next game? But it's quite hard to ask that question when you have girls that are stepping up for the first time, there's new players coming in. But I suppose from your experience, Grace, having a tough defeat against England to now park that and just focus and concentrate on Scotland, how tough is it to do that? Yeah, I think they're going to try take great solace in, in the England game. You know, your 15s game is only as strong, and I'll give Fiona credit here, is your pack. Like, if you don't have a good set piece, and now Ireland struggled in the second half with their set piece, I think they lost five lineouts, five scrums in that whole match. If you haven't got good go for ball, it doesn't really matter who your backs are, bar defensively. You need to have them forwards. And, and I think if they build up that cohesiveness again, re, regroup and get the line out. And I think the line out and scrum will function a lot better against Scotland, you know, because England are just so big, so powerful. You, like, you look at the likes of the subs they brought on. They brought on Poppy Keel, you know what I mean? Who's immense, you know, just Amy so... Amy Cochane as well. Amy Cochane, like she came on, you know, she's over 60 caps for England and she's coming off the bench. So like even for the full 80 minutes. Um, so I think Ireland will take great solace in it. You would hope, the pack have have good cohesiveness now and then it's just about the back line getting confidence together and and they know they can do it now you know yeah. they know they were able to hold England they've scored really good tries yes they were the sevens girls but you hope that that confidence grows that they realize it's a game of rugby and they can go out and beat their opposite number yeah, we really hope they can get their, their second win of the Six Nations. Just a reminder to keep an eye on Wednesday Night Rugby each week. We're giving away tickets to every home game for the Women's Six Nations. It's your last chance this week. Um, it's with thanks to Vodafone, proudly supporting the Irish women's rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. So lastly then, so just the tournament as a whole, it's been really positive, I suppose, Fiona, just to see the tournament as a standalone competition. This is the best I've ever seen it. Like it's all over the media. You're all here today. You know it's 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 so good for women's rugby. I think TikTok being a, a sponsor and coming on was huge. You know, not that we know anything about TikTok, but 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 in ge- but then to have an actual sponsor, um, yes, you're not uh, that old, Fiona. Come uh, on, I won't tell you my age. But to have an actual sponsor um, is is so good for the tournament, and they really like. Um, I think I think we talked about this before but like you're watching matches live and the clips of tries are released within a few seconds like we can't even find footage of of what we've done before you know you wouldn't see that or you might be waiting three days to review a game so they've really got that they're profiling players as I said the kids know the names the crowds are coming out watching it it's a real kind of family occasion and it and I think it being separate to the men's mm-hmm. tournament. I wasn't sure at the time, you know, in the 20s, I liked the idea and that's the way we played. So you're you like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't like change. So I was like, oh, you know, but it's it's been really, really positive because now people can switch from the men's Six Nations and get out and try and support the women's. They mightn't go to all the games, but they're on television and it's there to look at. So. And, and I think it's a good transition. I think... Um, 
tying in with the under 20s and the men's and following the same pattern had its purpose. You know, it highlighted that women played rugby and, you know, you traveled to the same places and, you know, people were aware, like it gave opportunities. I played in um, Murrayfield, you know, we wa- we went out in Twickenham after England beat Ireland with 80 something thousand there and not able to hear yourself, you know, so it, it made you experience those things that you never would have experienced as, as a, wim- a woman's player because you had a man your dog and your mom and your cousin at the match and that was it you <laughs> and know your neighbor your neighbor. And your neighbor so like for now you know it, it that played its purpose it highlighted the women's game and I think now transitioning and, and you know you have to thank COVID for that and going right bring it its own window it's now not competing with television coverage with the under 20s you know crowds wanting to go to Cork for the under 20s with Dublin for the women's game so you know it's have it stand alone it shows that people do watch women's sport. Yeah. You look at the, how we're breaking crowds, you know, breaking the numbers. As I said, I hope to see a lot of people get into Belfast, go support the women, go see a great match. And, and you look at the like of Leicester, they're saying now, you know, with this English women's team, the support that they've got and, and the infrastructure they've put in play. But they're saying now the club stadiums are going to be too small for them. Like, that's an amazing yeah. problem to have. You know, they're like, right, when it comes to a, an England World Cup, are they going to have to start playing in Twickenham? That's brilliant and that's amazing. And I, I think just the more you can see it, the more women, girls will start playing rugby, you know, as you said, you have your, your idols, your role models, and people can, when you see it, and you know, well, that's my club player, and, and the thing with Ireland now is they've, they had uh, sevens into pros, under 16s, under 18s at the weekends, they had an under 16, six, or under 18, six nations, mm-hmm. you know, you're going, they're seeing 17 year olds going playing for Ireland and they're like I'm 12 I can actually do that like it's I know possible. her I can do yeah. it yeah you know I know somebody that does that and, and that's amazing and what that does is it just brings more players in from schools and and clubs and the summer tour as well out in Japan like that was reported this week that's amazing yeah. to see that happening oh that's unbelievable <laughs> I would <laughs> love that one yeah um look it's great you know I think we summer tour was Kinsale Sevens for us when we won us on the floor but no it's 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 the way the game should be going they need to go play these teams um Japan would be there they've already played them so they'd be there thereabouts mm-hmm. they know they're not going over getting walloped they know it's competitive so it's it's brilliant really ideal and that's the thing like I played for Ireland for a decade, right? 10 years of brutality on this body. <laughs> um, but I got 56 caps, right? And you look at the likes of Sarah Hunter and she's yeah. still in the game. You see Emily Scarrick get 100 caps. They played so many test matches. We got five games a year, you know, if we were lucky. If we had friend, if we had like... Uh, friendlies before the Six Nations, they were uncapped and they'd say, right, we'll bring 30 players in and, and it meant you could rotate a lot more, but you didn't get a cap for them games. So to get opportunities to play in that test environment, you know, it's going to build your experience. You're not just going into a cold. And, we, and we've seen what the problem with the World Cup qualifiers was. They had three false starts with COVID. They thought they were going to the qualifiers. It didn't happen. They were back. They thought they were going. They didn't. And then by the time it happened, they had no games. They hadn't played club games. They hadn't played any international matches. And they went in so cold that they underperformed. And, and you know, that's a, a, a big key point of why they're not going to that World Cup. So I think the more international matches, and it all comes down to money and funding and, and ensuring that 
they're getting the funding to have them games played. Yeah, and that's what you need. You need game time. And it's not the only tour that we're going to see as well. The, the men's team are going to be going out to New Zealand as well. So that's going to be epic to watch them. Yeah, it was just, uh, I was uh, waiting on Munster to confirm the women's interpros are in um, January and I'm off for the month myself. I'm going to go over <laughs> and watch them. So I have a friend living oh, over. In, yeah, I have a friend living in Dunedin. So I, I haven't seen her in years over COVID. I'm godmother to her child. So hopefully I'll get over and get the games in as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Brilliant. And if I had to ask you both before we finish up for uh, the best Six Nations experience that you've had personally, Grace, what would it be for you? Oh, it, me personally, yeah, and not this situation. Yeah. Oh, have playing. <laughs> spot now. I, it's it's hard to tie it down to one. I probably have a few, um, but big one for me was people probably remember Brian O'Driscoll's Briggs send off in the Aviva for his last game. I remember it as my fiftieth cap. Uh, only time that the Irish women's team played in, in the Aviva, and I got to lead out the team that day for my fiftieth cap against wow. Italy in the Six yeah. Nations in 2014. So. That was a really special moment because I remember players that I played with over the years when we won the Grand Slam in 2013 were like, surely you'll retire now. Like, you know, you're, you're old and, and you're, you know, you're broken really. And I says, no, I still have goals, you know, that I wanted to do. And, and big one was that was my 50th cap and another one was making amends for the 2010 World Cup. So thankfully I did that in 2014 and, and being part of, of a really strong team. Um, the other one was probably, you know, obviously the Grand Slam. It wasn't the nicest rugby it was the first uh, match that had been televised and you know it was a real shock to people to see the conditions we played in but weirdly enough the, the conditions were brilliant in the in the warm-up to them that game when we got to um, Parabiago just outside Milan it was beautiful sunshine it was crisp it was cold but Goose and uh, Greg kept saying you know it's going to snow on Saturday it's going to snow and we were like yeah whatever but he, the psychology of it got into our heads and then when it came we woke up and it was snow and it was freezing we were like oh right they were right and we were <laughs> where but like for a 6-3 win in a Grand Slam match isn't the most exciting but to say that you gritted it out in yeah. know, those conditions had cold showers after the match they hadn't even got hot water after you know your hands must have been like oh <laughs> you couldn't it got to a point as we said with the Back's knocking the ball on. That you knock a ball on. I remember me and Lynn just looking at each other and laughing, going like, "I can't, I can't feel anything," <laughs> you know. So, but amazing. After all the years of being brutalised in Six Nations and losing games, to see your family in the crowd and and for them to experience what you've been through and and the knocks I've been through, real bad injury and and been down and out and pulling myself back up to to see the happiness in them that you stuck it out and and to raise a, a cup and, and to, to actually experience winning a Grand Slam. I remember Amazing. the start at Six Nations, I went home and it just shows you the support you got, but I went back home and they, it was the first uh, train session. Well, how'd you get into train session? You know, first Six Nations camp, brilliant. I said, we set our goals, we're going to win the Six Nations. And I got laughed at and I went, no, you don't understand, we're going to win the Six Nations. <laughs> and thankfully we were, the rest <laughs> is history. You say that wrong. every year, go away. <laughs> <laughs> I was able to back it up that time. <laughs> what about you, Fee? What's your uh, best memory? I had the picture. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll not talk about it. We'll not no, talk no. about it. Um, look, um, 2013 is obviously huge, but that was my first season, so I kind of was just getting adjusted to camp. So when we won the Six Nations 2015 in Scotland, massive score. It was just huge for me. My dad was in the crowd. Maz, I think, done a river dance around the place, and it was <laughs> it was just it was just brilliant. 
<laughs> oh, wow, amazing. Well, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. A huge thank you to Vodafone HQ for having us in these amazing facilities. My thanks to Fiona Hayes, Grace Stava for joining me, producer Catherine, all the OTB team, and finally, we want to wish Ireland the very best of luck this weekend in their game against Scotland. Thank you. The Women's Six Nations Show on OTB Sports. In association with Vodafone, proudly supporting the Irish women's rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.